0: Welcome to the 77th episode of the Young Turps Podcast, powered by Viner Forgates. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's show, we got a lot of things to get to. A national championship, some basketball games, a ton of football news, but before we talk about all... Of that, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Turp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV, contact Allied today for free, no obligation quote, at three o one nine eight six zero zero six seven or visit them at allypartyrentals.com. dot com Jordan now for the Terrapin rundown
1: I want to kick things off here wrestling took a couple of took a couple of defeats first university of pennsylvania thirty one to six and then a surprising one to central michigan twenty six to nine Mason things are not going well for wrestling right now
0: no, they are not in- Coach McCoy is not on the hot seat now. I don't know when he ever will be. I mean, it's just, it's not going well. Men's lacrosse added two commits to its 2019 class this week. The first one is Dylan, and I'm not really sure how to say his last name, but I'll give it a try. Uh, Jordan Palantoni. I'm thinking Palanetti. I'm not sure. Palanetti is definitely closer, and he is the number nine player in the country. He flipped from UMass to the Terps, and then John Tillman landed another one, the number seven player in the country, Nicholas DeMeo, who becomes the top player in the Terps class, and he will enroll early and be with Maryland for the spring season. And Jordan, an interesting note on that was before this week, John Tillman did not have any top 40 guys for his 2019 class, and now he has two, but one of which shall be joining the Terps for this season.
1: That's yeah, great for the cross program. Hopefully they keep the good times rolling. And speaking of good times, men's soccer returns to college soccer's throne with a 1-0 victory over the Akron Zips.
0: Yeah, and just what a great weekend for Maryland men's soccer. First off, topping Indiana 2-0 to and then continuing just the stellar defensive performance that was this whole NCAA tournament. Through the College Cup, Jordan, they did not give up a goal the whole run.
1: No, they did not, and that kind of summarizes the season for them, doesn't it? They rolled, they rode their stellar defense all the way to the top. And you know, a few months ago, this season looked almost lost, but Sasha proved his grit again and getting these guys to the top.
0: Yeah. Um Early in the season, yeah, there were struggles, but you had to remember who they were playing and why they were playing them. Sasho knows that his team has the talent to be at the top every year, and he plays the teams in the regular season to get them prepared for that, and you could definitely see they knew where they were. That was a team that belonged in the College Cup. And once they get there, you know, anything can happen, they made it happen with defense, with goaltending, and with a guy by the name of Donovan Pines, who just is a fantastic men's soccer player.
1: Yeah, and the game itself was a kind of a slow burner. No, I guess you'd call it regulation goals. The only goal was by the Terps, by the team captain, Amar Sadich. He put them in a position where they didn't play from behind the entire game, and when they don't have to play from behind, this team has been really solid. And it lets them play their style, which is kind of just a melt the clock, play defense kind of way.
0: Yeah, and a quick note on this game before we move on. I personally thought when Maryland had that second penalty opportunity for Sadich and it didn't go in that they were going to lose the game. But they're just, the way they control the ball, they keep it deep beyond the midline. They control the game. They control the ball. It's just, it's such a, way of coaching from Sasha because he knows a team even though they have some great forwards isn't necessarily great at pushing the ball all the time and trying to score a bunch so he controls the game with just controlling the ball and you know making those simple passes and then making deep runs into the attacking third it's just such a great design of the way a team should play and plays directly to their strengths that's just just a masterful coaching job, but Maryland's just so lucky to have a coach like Sasha.
1: And congrats to the Maryland soccer team as they claim their fourth college cup. And now to the, I guess, football rundown because it's all football. To so start off with some light news, Maryland Penn State will play on Friday and Saturday next year, despite James Franklin's adamant protests that he does
0: not like Friday night football. Man, I love seeing James Franklin lose. I just do. I just I, mean, I, I it just really brings me joy when James Franklin loses. Now, to me, this game there it's hard to find a negative with this Friday night matchup. Penn State can't come down on early, their coaches can't to recruit on Friday night, go out to all the games, get their scouting done. That's not gonna happen now. And then you know, a lot of people love to say that's going to take away the Penn State crowd. Well, I don't believe that. Look at when the Steelers and the Redskins played on Monday night a few years ago to kick off the season. There were oh, still absolutely. a ton of Steelers fans there. Like, it's, the, I don't really the think the it would do much.
1: football people are here. There's no denying that. They live here. I think most of the Penn State
0: fans— Oh, there are that, a ton of Penn State fans that live here. Can I, I guess, say something real quick?
1: I was just going to say that we, from growing up in this area, Mason and I are very well socialized in the kids around here. And we can safely say that a lot of the parents of these kids go to Penn, went to Penn State. Is that accurate, Mason?
0: I wouldn't say a lot. I'd
1: say a pretty healthy portion.
0: I would say that the top three in terms of the Big Ten, to me at least, are Maryland, Ohio State, and Michigan, and then Penn State.
1: Yeah, I'd say it's pretty accurate. I I might flip Penn State and Michigan there, but I think it's basically accurate.
0: So, yeah, I don't think – I mean, I think it'll do something. It will definitely lower the amount of Penn State fans, but not by a lot.
1: And now we have all the staffing news you could ever want here. Tennessee's former head coach, Butch Jones, will join the Maryland staff as a tight ends coach and associate head coach. I have to say I'm pretty surprised by this one.
0: So am I. I I definitely thought Butch Jones, you know, his first move from Tennessee to Alabama made sense. I really thought that Butch wanted to, you know, just, just take a year to not be on the spotlight because he was, you know, ripped down at Tennessee for about two full, maybe even two and a half full years before finally parting ways with the university I thought that he just took a step back, went to Alabama just to stay in coaching, but it was definitely a one-year move for Butch Jones. But I thought he would be able to get out of Alabama being a coordinator or a head coach, but an associate head coach isn't necessarily a low position.
1: No, but it just surprises me, I think, because I agree with you because I think he could have taken a similar job at Alabama. He was only an offensive analyst there at first, like Mike Loxley was. And I think a position coach was probably next for him. But apparently he really was buying whatever Mike Loxley was selling because now he's in Maryland. And I, I suppose we're happy to have him.
0: I am very happy. Butch is a really good recruiter. He has experience at a big school. He, he can guide Mike Loxley with that big school exp- experience. And Knowing really what, it, I mean, even though Tennessee didn't get it done, they were top 10 in his tenure with uh, Josh Dobbs and, you know, that group of guys that had a lot of miracle plays go right for them. But he's been there. I mean, he's he's coaching the SEC at a stadium with 100,000 fans. Like, he, he knows what it takes, and he didn't get it done. So hopefully he'll be able to help Mike Loxley make things right where he wasn't able to at Tennessee.
1: Well, I think the thing to underscore there was the top 10 recruiting classes he often had at Tennessee because he definitely, Loxley definitely seems to be going for recruiting angles. That is backed up by adding former North Carolina DC John Papuchis and former Rutgers DV coach Corey Robinson. Both of these guys have Maryland roots. Papuchis is from Gaithersburg, graduated from Prince Orchard High School, and Robinson is a Baltimore native. He, I really feel like Mike Loxley is trying to build his um, Avengers of coaching, in the, not coaching, recruiting in the DMV.
0: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, you're talking about two guys, and Papuchas today was out at Quince Orchard High School. He gave them a visit along with um, Northwest. So there you go. There's two MoCo schools that he's already visited in his time as a Maryland assistant. But what you're seeing is Mike Loxley already, you know, kind of cut out areas in this just football-rich area, as we all know. Getting a Baltimore guy, and of course, you know, Robinson's not going to be the only Baltimore recruiter, and Papucha's being a Montgomery County guy. There you go. There are two guys for kind of your grassroots recruiter, I would say. You know, they're going to be there. They're tied into those communities. And really just starting to set the foundation of a recruiting all-star team and, you know, we definitely get, took a big piece out with Elijah Brooks.
1: Yeah, and we didn't mention that one yet. Elijah Brooks, DeMatha head coach and WCAC legend is now the Maryland running backs coach. That is a huge get in rec- terms of recruiting.
0: Yeah, the DeMatha graduate, eight years as the Stags head coach, championships, he did it all there. Nationally ranked teams, um, a ton of five-star guys. and. Really, he'll step into a running backs coach job where he's coaching two of his former players, Lorenzo Harrison and Anthony McFarland. Now, no. the word is that this will lock in Damatha for Maryland as the Terps try and approach um, Nick Cross, who was in a Florida State commit right now. I was going to say Alabama commit, but no, he's the Florida State one. A Florida State commit that plays safety, who will be announcing his decision, I think. Coming up this week, but I'm not sure about that.
1: Now, the with Corey Robinson as DB coach, the odd man out may be Azar Abdul-Rahim, who was the top recruiter for Maryland in the last few years. And that's not really what I wanted to see, because I really do think he's a great recruiter. And if you paired him with Loxley, you'd have something special. But as Dave said, it just doesn't seem like it's working out.
0: Yeah, that's what I hear. I hear that um, he wants to be a defensive coordinator at the least, if not a head coach at this time. So, you know, it's unfortunate, but he isn't irreplaceable. I'll say that.
1: No, he's not. And I think Loxley actually kind of overwrites a lot what he does. But I still think he was a great recruiter. He was a top-ten recruiter according to 24-7 the last few years. And I think we're going to miss him. And I really respect what he did here in getting us the guys we need to win.
0: Yeah, so do I. And... You know, not only will I miss him at Maryland, I really don't want him somewhere else. That's my thing. That's that's what I see. Is
1: well, I think that's relative. If he can get a P five job somewhere, I don't know if he'll be able to.
0: Um, really, the
1: rumor. Well, we've heard rumors that he's going to be the Jordan. Head he already coach worked at Alabama. I know, but if he wants to be a DC, I think it's going to be hard. It might be hard for him to move up because Maryland's defense has kind of been suspect the last couple of years.
0: I guess. I don't know. People make people do things to get recruiters like Azar and really just – they make moves. I mean, recruiting is such a big part of winning now. The people make moves been, to recruit.
1: It's always been a big part of winning, but you are correct. Mike Loxley, of course, went to Alabama for the recruiting aspect. So there's definitely a possibility some staff will make the concessions on the coaching side perhaps to get his recruiting – skills and if that is the case then that's the case Um as we keep moving along here though so this is a rumor one and I know we usually don't do rumors but this would be a, such a huge deal if it happened Jalen Hurds of course is the may start the college football playoff for Alabama we will see and he is eligible to transfer after this season and rumor has it he may follow his OC Mike Loxley to Maryland Mason what do you guys say about this one
0: I mean I love it if it can happen you know, when you're talking about Jalen Hurts, though, you're talking about Auburn. You're talking about SEC schools that are after him. You're talking about really powerful football institutions that really want Jalen Hurts. And then you look at Maryland, and you know there are people that have done it. They've cho- chose Maryland over in Auburn, or in, you know, even in Alabama or in LSU. But you're talking about a kid that plays SEC football and. You know, it's just, I see it, but I don't think it's the most likely option. It it would be, that is the main issue, you're correct,
1: is that Jalen Hearns is being recruited by everybody who needs a quarterback. And with good reason. He's 26-2 and two as a starter. He was all-freshman SEC. He's a good football player. And I know people have kind of been enamored with Tua since he took over, but Jalen Hurts is not a bad player in the least. He's probably – there's very little question he would be the best quarterback around his head maybe since Scott McBride was caught in the shots back in 2002.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, But you got to think about it from his perspective. Now I'll give you two ways. If I go to Auburn or I stay at Alabama – you know, I'm still be surrounded by that that great talent, the winning teams, the the football of the South. You know, just such a war of it, and that's what he's. I mean, that's what he's played with as a college football player. And if he's considering Maryland, think about what he's looking with there a young wide receiver core that has a load of talent, but it's not necessarily proven. If you go to Maryland, then you, you win. If you're Jalen Hurts. Think about what an NFL scout will look at. They're going to look at a guy that played at Alabama, and, as you said, went 26-2, and and then went to Maryland. And a lot of us that listen to this podcast or the two people that do this podcast. Know that America looks at Maryland and they think of a program that's down in the dumps, especially now. But we know the talent that Maryland has. And if you're Jalen Hurts and you look at that and say, if I go there... I have my offensive coordinator that's going to run a really similar system. I can slide in there with great talent, especially at running back and receiver. And if I can make something out of that, then we can really win something. I
1: I really, I mean, of course, this is a comp case, quarterback situation even more, although I don't think there's much question here. If, he if he comes here, start. if he if comes, he comes here, here, there's no question. There's,
0: I mean, there is a way that he doesn't start, but it's, I mean, 26-2. and two. And a guy that, you know, when you look at that last play that Piggy made against Ohio State to bring up bad memories, that's a play that a Piggy was going to be, to me, when I really think of it now, it's a, Piggy was the guy that's going to come in and really save Maryland's quarterback position. He makes that throw. Now, I don't like putting one play on somebody, but that's just my, that's my feeling. That's my opinion feeling. Now, Hurts, if he comes here and, you know, continues to stay in shape and you know, do does those things, he's at least going to get a shot if not be the starter. Well, I think to
1: get him to come here, Loxico might have to promise him the job, which but I know you, a lot of people don't but like. But
0: No. The, the, I'm just okay, saying from well, a sales
1: perspective.
0: Yes, I understand that. But think about what I just said. It's pretty much promising him the job if he continues to, you know, do what he needs to he, do.
1: Yes, if he stays in shape and stays healthy – Jeez, we've had issues with that.
0: He's prob- he's going to be the day one starter. Now, I know we've got some other things to get to on this podcast, but one other thing on Hurts before we move off the rumor mill here and talk a little bit of football recruiting before moving to basketball is I don't really think a lot of grad transfer quarterbacks have worked. You look at Jake Rudock, who played for Michigan after transferring from Iowa, It worked, but, you know, it really wasn't ideal. You look at Wisconsin when they added, I don't know, a group of grad transfer and transfer quarterbacks back when they were, you know, back in, like, when they added Danny O'Brien, they also added in the years after that and that same year a bunch of grad transfer quarterbacks that didn't really work out. You look at Keller Christ, who went from Stanford to Tennessee this year. He didn't even end the year as a starter. You look at – um. Just in general, transfer quarterbacks, Everett Golston, Malik Zaire, I mean, it just, it doesn't really work to me. I don't know if you can give me one or two that have.
1: Well, the one that sticks out in my mind that worked was Russell Wilson at Wisconsin.
0: Yeah, I was just throwing shade at Wisconsin, then, yeah, well. Yeah.
1: That, that's like the one to me, that's the one. And then Nathan Peterman transferred from Tennessee to Pitt. That wasn't grad transfer, but that also was great success for him, despite how it's gone since.
0: Yeah, I mean, by the end of the time that I was done, I couldn't even really name grad transfer quarterbacks. <laughs> um, um, but as we keep moving along here, Kasim Hill is ahead of schedule
1: again on his ACL recovery. I guess that's good.
0: You know, and this brings up a thought for me that I don't really want Kasim Hill playing this next year. Even with all the advancement in ACL treatment, you know, you can play the next season if you get hurt like I don't even know, what was that week eleven? Eleven weeks into the season that Kasim got hurt or Something like that, yeah. I don't believe that. I just I don't believe that a guy is fully recovered or even recovered enough that he should be playing. In that short period of time, like I know we've seen, you know, great athletes do it, like Adrian Peterson and you know some other guys that have done it. But if Kasim Hill might just need a guy like Piggy to step in for a year, or a grad transfer quarterback, or a transfer quarterback, or something like that to get him healthy. And I know that Piggy kind of takes over the job. I don't is Piggy what is he going to be a junior? Yeah. Then I know that really puts Cassim behind and really where he wanted to be at this point in his college career. But maybe it's not a bad thing if Maryland's able to pull in a grad transfer quarterback and Cassim Hill can, you know, take a year to, you know, finish off recovering this knee and then move on and compete for the job the year after. See, that's why I kind of put the sarcastic good at the end there, because
1: I agree with you, maybe not fully. I do think that a lot of these ahead-of-schedule ACL recoveries don't go well in the long run, and I think we also saw that last year in that it never felt like he was fully healthy or fully back on it. So I think maybe sitting out or getting a medical redshirt for next year will be a good thing for him if that is the case. However, I know he's going to want to play again. I'm curious to see who Mike Loxley prefers out of Piggy and Kasim. I have a feeling it might be Piggy, though. Just just a feeling for me.
0: As far as the system, Piggy would make sense, but... Look, I feel like a lot of people are going to go back to Kasim's talent
1: over Piggy, and I think that is possible that it still exists, but from what we saw last season, there's just no way you can argue to me that Kasim was the better quarterback.
0: Agreed. And our
1: last football news bit here, as we expected, or at least as Dave expected... Maryland flipped former WVU commit Isaiah Hazel, the four-star wideout, to Maryland, and not a big surprise, but great news nonetheless.
0: Yeah, more talent at the wide receiver position with Isaiah Hazel, and someone had to start this. You know, you talk about all the guys that Mike Oxley could flip. Well, someone's got to build it up and say, "I'm the first guy that's going to be this. I'm going to be," you know, that that the guy to get the ball rolling. And Hazel is that guy, hopefully for Maryland. Now, I, I
1: tend to agree that someone had to rec- commit first, and I'm not saying he's a bad player at all. I think no, I did no. Hazel. Like,
0: I understand what you're saying. It's just when you say where does Maryland need help, wide receiver does not come to mind first. Absolutely not. Maybe
1: maybe the second best position on the team behind running back, but some, you're right. Someone had to be the first guy. He's a four-star commit, top 300, and he still might start next year. Honestly. Like no, None of our receivers last year besides Jason Jones really stood
0: out. Uh, or I well, could be wrong. I mean, the whole season, yes, Jones. But Demas, by the end of the season, seemed like the, the guy at wide receiver.
1: Yeah, he definitely – Demas showed flashes towards the end of his potential. And if he can capitalize on that, and then I think he might be gang somewhere. I'm curious to see who the wide receiver coach will be next season. Whoever it is is going to have a lot of work
0: to do. Well, Beatty's still around.
1: Yes, but it's not confirmed that he's on the staff again. So, I'm waiting on that one. We've all heard some rumblings about Beatty and maybe moving on.
0: Yeah, and when you talk about Hazel, you know, Maryland made its top two. It was between Maryland and West Virginia. And then, like we talked about with a lot of recruits, you looked at what hap- was what was happening at Maryland, and you chose to go somewhere else. And that was probably the right move then. But now that's over, or we hope it's over. We hope it's over. Yes. And these guys, you know, it's it was so important that Maryland brought in this coach with some time before that early signing period, and they did. They pulled it off. They got Mike Loxley before then, so now you're going to see it happen. And Hazel's just hopefully the first of many, and, you know, you hear rumblings around the Twitterverse and around the Maryland boards and more to come, and we're just waiting for them. But a great first star, top 300 guy, a four-star wide receiver, and you know, wide receiver is one of those positions that you can never have enough of them because, you know, guys go cold, guys get hot. And to me, and Jordan, I don't know if you agree with this, it's one of the only positions in football where I can say a freshman can come in and truly be a starter.
1: Yeah, I'd say so. There's very few that true freshmen can really shine like wide receiver because it's such an athletic based position. And it feels like forever ago now, but it really doesn't. Maryland's had some great receivers in the past 10 years or so. We had Torrey Smith, we had Darius herber we had Stefan now and then DJ Moore, and now we're just waiting for the next one, and maybe Isaiah Hazel is the guy.
0: Yeah, and shall we move on to basketball? Because basketball season is still happening, despite what you may believe, yes. So before we talk about the two wins over the two Loyolas, this podcast is also brought to you by MD Eurocars, when you're looking for someone to work on your European car, look no further than Maryland Eurocars. We have a few Audis in the family and some BMWs at the office, and we take our cars to Christian at Maryland Eurocars. Christian and his team know their way around, Audis, BMWs, Mercedes, Bentleys, VWs, and many more makes. Always friendly, courteous, and honest, along with being an extra clean shop. Maryland Eurocars is the best place to take your prized on mobile. And they are the most reasonably priced shop in town. Located in Rockville, Maryland, you can reach Maryland Eurocars at 301-217-5831. Ask for Christian at 301-217-5831. And tell them the Young Terps sent you. Jordan, let's go ahead and start off with what could have been... I don't want to call it the most boring Maryland game that I've seen in years, but... I don't know, I'm at a loss of words for what to call Maryland. What was it, 55-41 to win over Loyola Chicago?
1: Yeah, the Term City Classic did not have a lot of charm to it. Um, I guess we can start off with the big men in this one, because Bruno Fernando and Jalen Smith both got in foul trouble early, and this is one of my biggest fears in the season, especially with Bruno because he gets some fouls a lot, (laughs) is what happens if they both get out? And we saw it, and it wasn't pretty.
0: Yeah, and just loyal Chicago didn't really have a go-to big man. But the subbing of loyal Chicago really got to me. Every time someone did someone wrong, the coach was pointing to the next guy to go out there and do something. Every time. And it just really, it had to break up the rhythm of loyal Chicago's game.
1: Yeah, uh, actually it was kind of interesting because I read an article that was featured on The Athletic the day after the game and it was like it was an insider story on the Chicago and what's going on there. And it was really interesting to hear just the other side of the story where we're like the bad guys in the story. So it was worth reading. But Loyal Chicago's having some issues finding their flow again. But back on the Turp side, um, wasn't a ton to like here. Anthony counted had an okay game with 17 points, six for twelve from the field. Ricky Lindo got in a lot and didn't do much. Twenty four minutes only two points. I mean, it it was such a slow burn of a game. with not much to take away, I feel like.
0: I thought Maryland showed something that they really haven't in the past, though. The ability to grind out a game. You know, the flow was not going the way that Maryland wants the flow of these games to go. It wasn't fast. It wasn't – shots weren't going in. It wasn't up and down the court. It was really just a grit win, and again, when Maryland needed a shot, as bad as Anthony Cowan was, or as much as he struggled, Anthony Cowan gave them that extra jolt.
1: Yeah, he really, especially in the next game, which we'll get to in a second, he really has proven he's still the guy despite his on-the-floor struggles. Um, just some other notes from this one. Maryland just competitive and rebounding with the Ramblers without Bruno and Sticks in the game. That was good to see. Morcel placed only 12 minutes, as does Sticks, who has worst game as a trip by far. Just, it was a forgettable game, and I think it's one the team was best off forgetting.
0: Yeah, and I was sitting with um, Jake McDonald, who is or was, now he works on 105.7, the fan. He used to do, he used to be the producer for Turp Talk on um, Wednesday nights. He also has a podcast called Charm City Bird Watch for all you Orioles and Ravens fans. And he doesn't get out to a lot of Terps, Terps games, he watches them on TV a lot and I was sitting with him at the game and he turns to me and he says, man, the one time that Maryland plays like this is the one game that I go to. And I I felt like that was like the feeling of a lot of people that were there. It was just kind of like a frustrating game. It was like you were waiting for the game to start. And then before you knew it, it was over kind of thing.
1: Well, I think that was something I thought about when I was watching this game. I was only half watching because, you know, finals are a thing. But I, I really do enjoy the Baltimore game or the Trump City Classic, as it's called now. I think it's good for Maryland's fan base. It's good for recruiting. It's good for the program itself to get out there and see the people. And I feel, I just, I'm disappointed that their showcase game in Baltimore is such a, excuse me here, but a turn of a game because I really want it to be, I really wish we'd play some legit Power 6 team and have a good showcase for basketball in Baltimore, but it really hasn't happened yet, and that's kind of disappointing to me.
0: I thought Loyola Chicago was a good opponent, but, you know, a win's a win, though. At the end of the day, what do you want Maryland to do? And the answer is win. And they did that. They they did not in a way that I don't really think a Turgeon team has done. Now to the game that really grinded my gears, Jordan. The Maryland against Maryland, Loyola of Maryland game from The other night, and jeez, talk about letting a team hang around for too long. Loyal of Maryland. I
1: didn't see this one, Mason. So I'll let you give your skinny of the game. Then I'm going to feed you the stats, and you're going to tell me what actually happened because we saw highlights.
0: So Maryland comes out, and they jump out to a quick lead, but just they let him hang around. They let Loyal hang around. To the point where, you know, it was one of those comfortable 10-point leads. Like, Maryland would make a big shot, then Loyola would come back and answer it. But Loyola was truly 10 points behind Maryland. All
1: right, well. But
0: then, no, it's not over. Okay, all right. Then Maryland comes out in the second half after Michael Oxley gives a quick speech so you can see on the Wayne Turp YouTube page. And the Turps go up by, like, 24 and then I'm saying okay let's roll let's 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 do this. let's beat them by thirty. We can do this. We can win and trace Ramsey and Travis Valman and Andrew Terrell can get out there for you know five minutes or something like that, But then Maryland allows Loyola Chicago, my bad loyal of Maryland to cut the lead back down to ten and then hang around there till eventually Maryland you know worked. Kind of just got it rolling and ended up going up by what? Would they end up winning by 20-something? 23. Yeah, and still, you know, Trace Ramsey and those guys did get out there. All right, well,
1: it sounds like a pretty standard Maryland versus um, mid-major game. So I'm going to – I got the statue in front of me here. And because, of course, because of finals, I missed this one. So the one that jumps off to me, Mason, to start off here – Sarah Smith scored 10 points.
0: Yeah, the microwave's been cooking these past two games. Had, um, I think, nine against Loyola Chicago and then came back with 10 against Loyola Maryland. And they're coming in sports now. You know, I st- still go back to the quote from Mark Turgeon after, I think, after they beat Penn State when he really cut down the rotation to six guys late in the game and only played seven that whole game. Actually, my bad, he played eight guys that whole game because, you know, Sorrell played. And he said, Sorrell's a good basketball player. I'm going to keep going back to him until, you know, he gets it going. And to me, I really thought that one through because he in that game, um, Ricky Linda was benched and really he was only playing the starting five plus um, Aaron Wiggins.
1: Alright, well, um, my next thing is Jalen Smith, 20 points, 8 rebounds. Looks like he bounced back from his tough performance in Baltimore. Was that really the case?
0: Yeah, Jalen Smith, just he was fully in this game. And when I say that, I mean that I know I've seen him shoot in practice and stuff that Jalen Smith can stretch the floor. And he made a few jump shots that were like that guy's an NBA prospect and Again, that's just—it's coming for Jalen Smith. Whether it ever happens at Maryland, I don't know. But in the NBA, when he gets there, which at this point is looking stronger and stronger, that he's not going to fall off the NBA draft boards like Diamond Stone did. That he's going to really stick up there in the lottery. That he's really going to be able to shoot the three and hit the mid-range jumper f- with with ease.
1: Okay, um, Anthony Callen. 6 for 12 and 4 for 4 from 3, 23 points. Did he finally look like himself again?
0: I don't think so. I think that he still turned the ball over. How how many of those do you have? 4. He still turns the ball over. Now, 4 is definitely less than he's had this season and as a guy that handles the ball as much as he does, you know, it it could end up being that way. I'm not saying that it has to be that way because he handles the ball that much, but it definitely always has the potential when you handle the ball as much as Anthony Cowan to turn it over four or so times a game. But some of them, and I'm not sure if these, if the turnover that I'm going to describe is actually Anthony Cowan's fault, is just, you know, he'll dump the ball down to Jalen or Bruno and they won't be expecting it and Maryland will turn the ball over. and To me, that's a team turnover. That's not really on anybody. But just the the four shots and holding the ball on to the end of the shot clock, and I'm kind of mixing the two games together at this point, really just bother me. Jordan, I know that that is one of the things that really gets to you. Uh, it just
1: – it's so frustrating because when we turn the ball over on the shot clock violations, I'm not sure how many times that happened against Loyola Maryland, I'm hoping it wasn't a ton. I think it happened two, three times. It, it's just – It's such an indicator of a lack of offensive vision when that happens because you're supposed to have 10-second, 8-second plays for when that happens as a coach because it's going to happen, especially if you run kind of the slow burn offense that uses the shot clock like Maryland does. And I think that when you don't execute those plays well or you just don't even use them, it shows a lack of coaching. And I really want to see improvement from Turgeon in the coaching department I just haven't seen it and I think my frustration is just starting to show in that regard
0: well it showed a lot, last year
1: yeah last year I was really frustrated so are you because it just
0: it just wasn't working and no. the seeds of that are there now yeah, you talk to- about how, how bright Maryland is right now freshmen that really can play basketball and Wiggins and Ayala, and then Fernando, and Sticks, and Cowan. You have all these great pieces. But when I see any team, not just my team, but any team that has situations against in those two games, Purdue and then the Royal Chicago, where we are getting shot clock violations, getting a shot blocked with a chance to win the game where it just looked clueless by the time the ball was inbounded, to me, that is still that team from last year that couldn't find a shot and Kevin Herter was knocking down you know, NBA range threes and beyond that to keep Maryland in games like the Syracuse game or the um, Wisconsin game of the Big Ten tournament where he would just had to make impossible plays. But when you look at this team, and it's starting to become very obvious to me, I'm not sure if all of you agree with me that watch Maryland this much, or that see every game and saw all the these big moments, Cowan is not Kevin Herter. Cowan is not Melo Trimble. To me, at least, Cowan seems like a guy who is a really good basketball player. But right now, he is being handed the keys to the Mark Turgeon Mobile, and he might not be the guy to necessarily drive it. Might not be the guy that's going to hold on to the ball with two seconds left on the shot clock and drain a three and make the... Xfinity Center explode. Cowan is an actual, or he was when he got here, was an actual point guard, a guy that wanted to facilitate the ball, and sure, he can make some plays, but that wasn't his number one thing. But now, just like, you know, Herter, who never really could take control of that role, and Mello, who's, Jordan, I know that you say this, the reason why Turgeon's still the coach, they made those shots, and to me, Cowan isn't, necessarily that guy and Maryland's gonna find has to find some different ways to move the ball with little time on the shot clock.
1: Look, this we're trying to retread points from last week here, so we'll wrap it up after this. But I'll say what I said last time, which is Turgeon relies on oversized point guards, even though Kevin Herter really wasn't a point guard, but you get the point. He was by oversized the time he left guards. Yeah. <laughs> oversized guards that can shoot from long range to create plays for him. Or execute isos and I really hate isos in basketball because they rarely work unless they're from a really good player and they just unless in the flow of the game they show a lack of creativity and Cowan is not doesn't have the range or the height to be a do-it-all game-winning guard and I really wish he was because I like him as a player and he seems like a nice guy but he's not a win the game with the ball in your hands. Guy, this team needs plays. This team their best players are big men, and they don't big men generally aren't able to win the game by themselves like that. They need help. And honestly, I think if you need to give the keys to a guard to create a late game opportunity I'd give it to Wiggins or Ayala, because they both have better outside shooting and better height for that matter. But in the Turgeon system, there always has to be a defined number one guard. And we just don't have that ball handling, do it all. Army lifeguard right
0: now. No, and I find that odd, and this is our last point here on the podcast, that this team to me, or this team to almost everybody that I talk to, is Mark Turgeon's best team. They get along the best. They have a lot of chemistry. They have a lot of players. And they can run, maybe not the deepest, but they, they have... Guys that can come off the bench, especially, you know, hopefully when Bender gets back in the role, he can give you four or five minutes a game. I'm not, you know, not going to stretch that one. Or if Window gets it, you know, together as he seemingly is these past few games, even though we didn't really get to that. That this could be a elite A team. This could be a team that if they push right in the tournament, and they get the right matchups, could be in the Final Four.
1: I don't know. But wait, to...
0: okay, hold on. But with the current way that it is being run, which frustrates so many people, and really, that Loyola of Maryland game was the definition of why I think this, along with the um, Twitter coaches, that that won't happen for these guys. That they could leave a team that I believe their tallest player was, you know, six eight and. I think he got in foul trouble, and then they ended up with a Landon Milbourne-sized you know, guy guarding Bruno Fernando and Jalen Smith. But where is the consistency that we can go out there and blow a team out? I still am missing that. And it just doesn't happen under Mark Turgeon unless the other team is grossly under-talented and not ready to go. But when you play a team that's scrappy like Loyola, that can make a few shots, and then the, you know, it's a 10-point game, and if Loyola's throwing a few more together— my head might have exploded because it could have lost that game. And that's just what I don't like about Mark Turgeon. And that is why this team's not really built to play in March. Well, that was quite a mile for Mason
1: to end it up here. Next game is against Seton Hall. That is on the 22nd. Seton Hall may be just a quick preview, then we're going to sign off here. Seton Hall may be the least consistent team in the country as they have had great wins against Miami and Kentucky. And they've also lost to Nebraska by 23 points. Hey, Nebraska's good. And then they lost to St. Louis at home.
0: St. Louis has Deion Wiley. Deion Wiley's actually born in St. Louis, so...
1: And then they lost to Louisville at home. So it is very hard to get read on them. But they have giant slay potential, as we saw against Kentucky. They play Rutgers, I believe, on Saturday. We'll see how that one goes for them. But do not underestimate the Pirates, because they, they
0: can beat us. And this is a big test for the team, in my opinion. So Seton Hall will play the battle in New Jersey against Rutgers and then come down to College Park for a game on what the, is it it's on that the twenty second. That is the twenty second, four thirty on FS
1: one. Maybe the as, they're not the best team we played this season. That's still Virginia. They're the second best team we played this season. And don't sleep on them. And if we can beat them, I'll give Maryland some faith. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Jordan, you're actually going to make it out to that game.
1: Yes, I am. Coming back to the DMV tomorrow. And I cannot, I cannot wait to do another podcast live.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to see you, get you back down to College Park to frustrate you with some Maryland basketball. Sounds great. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Young Terps podcast. And, of course, we are powered by Viner Forgates. Viner Forgates is the place to go for all of your IT needs. Websites, e-commerce, just a place to show your business off. Viner Forgets can make the perfect website for your company. You can reach them at 301-251-2900 or on the web at 1viner.com. And I also, one more thing about IT, see a lot of those phishing emails, emails trying to get you to click on links if your company is struggling with those. Viner Forgets has experience taking care of them and giving your employees the proper Education to make sure that your company does not get infected by viruses. And again, that's Viner four gates at 301-251-2900 for all of your IT needs. Ally Party Rentals is the place to go for your party rental needs. No matter what the size of the party, Ally can take care of you with great services. They have all the things from a floor to chairs to a DJ booth. They have it all at Allied Party Rentals. You can reach them at AlliedPartyRentals.com. And Maryland Eurocars, they're the place to go to get your European car serviced. Audis, BMWs, Mercedes, they do it all at Maryland Eurocars. Five-star reviews all across the board. Maryland Eurocars is the place to go. You can drop them a line today at 301-217-5831. That's Maryland Eurocars. And that's going to do it. For the 77th episode of the Young Terps Podcast, one more thing before I sign off. Will likely joined the Terp Talk postgame show from the Xfinity floor on Saturday. So if you want to give that a watch up on YouTube, it's up on Turptalk.com. And that's going to be it. We're going into a little bit of a dead zone here in the upcoming week with no Maryland basketball games. So we'll try and get a guest on to talk some Maryland football recruiting next week. Until then, thanks for listening.